Welcome to this week's episode of EJ Sports Debates. I'm Eric Weirda, as always, with Jordan Angie. It's one of our favorite times of year. It's NFL playoff time. We are going to kick this off with uh, some pretty controversial calls in the playoffs that might have affected a few things. Jordan? Good afternoon, everyone. Afternoon usual for us. Um, all right, so the first thing that we're going to cover is the thing that started the dynasty, the tuck rule. Uh, so I'm going to kind of give you guys a scenario. Eric will kind of give you guys the aftermath and everything. So, And we'll just kind of switch back and forth and give you our thoughts. So this is a 2001 Pats and Raiders AFC divisional game in the snow in New England. Um, minute 50 left in the game. Oakland's up by three. Brady drops back to pass and was hit. And the ball was uh, loose. It was ruled a fumble initially, recovered by Oakland. Uh, it was inside two minutes, so the play was reviewed. Uh, and then after it was reviewed, it was reviewed that Brady was actually trying to pass the ball. Even though by anyone with a pulse, I think, at the time, we all thought it was a fumble. because That's just kind of what we thought back then. Um, so this gave the Pats the ability to actually tie the game because they didn't lose possession of the ball. And they went on to win it in OT. And that started the vaulted uh, Belichick-Brady dynasty. Um, Eric, if you want to go ahead and kind of break it down and kind of give us the aftermath and everything, that'd be awesome, buddy. Absolutely, yeah. The, the tuck rule, it, January 19, 2002, blitzed by Michigan teammate Charles Woodson. And, yeah, the... Brady went back to throw, like he said, and brought it back to his chest. And to anyone that thought they knew the rules, this will be a trend. It was a fumble. But after review, referee Walt Coleman said his arm was going forward. And it was ruled an incomplete pass. And yeah, set up a... Uh, set up the 20-year run of New England. And executive of the Raiders, Bruce Allen, said he didn't mind the rule, but the way the rule was written. And it occurred a, it occurred a few times as well, but it also happened to rule against New England earlier in the year. So I think, and this is sort of where people can realize Belichick's genius is the very same thing is that he uses what happened against them as rules to benefit apparently. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And then it took, that was in 2002 in 2013, they, the league just completely took the tuck rule out. Uh, so it's a very interesting, I know we had the what if podcast a few weeks ago, but I don't know. I don't know if we'd be talking about a Raiders dynasty if that rule was, if it was, if the call stayed a fumble. Jordan? So here's the thing I found kind of interesting. And I guess, I, you know, it's one of those subconscious, conscious things is, and Eric, I love that you pointed out, Belichick, you know, used the thing that hurt him to actually help him. Um, he seems to do that a lot. But I didn't really know this at the time, but the Raiders were so angry about it 
But the one person that didn't seem to really care as much was Coach John Gruden, which actually led to Al Davis being angry at him and then traded Gruden to Tampa Bay, which is actually kind of a setup here for one of our other ones. But um, it's just interesting to me that, you know, this rule not only completely changed the course for the Patriots and, you know, their dynasty, but what if Al Davis, you know, had never traded John Gruden? Um, and the funny thing is, is there was a quote from Robert Kraft that when they actually overturned it, he said that uh, Al Davis is smiling down from heaven. So uh, that should tell you how Davis and his plight against the NFL, you know, I mean, but to e, I don't know about you, but it's one of my first really like, oh, my God, moments as a kid, like controversially as, you know, a football fan that I can remember, like wondering what happened. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, the, the quote by Robert Kraft was great um, because it was a horrible application of the rule. And I don't know why the NFL does. I mean, it's basically like they have lawyers writing up lawyer jargon in their rules that no one can understand, which I think is why Ed Hockley made such a good ref. Absolutely. Here's my thing. And I know, you know, the thing that bothers me about it, though, is that a lot of Raiders fans want to, like, blame that. Don't get me wrong. It was a bad call. But, dude, they still had to stop him. You know, they let him go down the field and still kick a field goal. And then they let him go down the field again and win the game. And I just, when stuff like that happens, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Steve Bartman thing, where it's like, yeah, it was a controversial thing that happened but you still had a chance to win the game. You know, the very next play, all she had to do was go out and smack Brady again and, you know, force an incompletion or an interception, but nope. Nope. They just kind of let it overrule them. And that mean to me, that just, that tells me into that, that one play, it took the Raiders like mentally out of the game. Yeah. I think that, I think you're going to see that trend. Yeah. In, in some of our, in some of our thing, in some of our topics, because I mean that's how big the calls are, and yeah, I mean if Vinatieri misses that field goal, no one, no one really talks about the tuck rule then. Very true. And so that's uh, that's where we stand. I'm going to ask you this: Do you think at the time? it was the rule was applied correctly. So continuing the theme of, you know, this thing, especially with my last topic in the literal sense of the application of the rule. Yes. But the thing that the NFL does is they tend to allow their literation and their wording of their rules dictate real things that happen. And do I think that as exactly the rule was written, it could be interpreted that way? Yes. I also think it's a playoff game. It's a huge moment. To everybody and their grandmother, it was a fumble. That was a fumble. Clear as day fumble. And I think you could have applied the rule and said that it was a fumble just as much as you could have and said that it wasn't. wasn't. So, yeah, it, it, I, in my opinion, it was a bad call. And I think they took the rule – 
and applied it in such a way. And that, that's how they interpreted it at the time. And you know what? To the referee's credit, that's how the rule was written, you know, and it's their job to uphold the rules. And rules sometimes are meant to be interpreted. <laughs> and, you know, you and I are the kings of loopholes. So um, that was a loophole and a rule that was written, and that's how they interpreted it. And in the time, they weren't technically wrong, I don't think. I agree with that. But. I um, agree with that, and that's going to bring us to another play that got reviewed that is one of the most famous in playoff history. Sorry, Bills fans, you won your first playoff game in 25 years. Hopefully you can forget this. It's the Music City Miracle. And this is the 99 season, 2000 playoffs. Steve Christie drills a field goal to go up 16 to 15 with 16 seconds left. So naturally, you kick the ball high, short, try to limit the return. Well, it went to Lorenzo Neal, who handed it off to Frank Wycheck, and then the Bills all chased the ball, and on the complete opposite side of the field is Kevin Dyson, wide open. Wycheck threw it, and Dyson took it to the house to take the lead. But there was one, but that's not the controversy. When Wycheck threw it, Kevin Dyson was two yards ahead of it. Dyson had to go back to field the ball. And everyone realized that might be a forward pass. Well, it was ruled a touchdown on the field. They couldn't find an angle that that showed it or to confirm anything. And the play stood, and Tennessee won the game and rode that momentum uh, to Super Bowl matchup with the Rams. Jordan? So, interestingly enough, Eric, you mentioned the field goal with 16 seconds left. That field goal was kicked on third down. So that's one kind of questioning decision of why the Bills would kick that field goal on third down when they could have just, you know, ran another play, scrubbed a little more time off the clock and put that game away. But interestingly enough about that play, they actually called it the home run throwback. Um, That was actually a play that the Titans practiced pretty regularly. Um, It was actually invented by um, Allen, where's his name at? Alan Lowry, who was their special teams coordinator. Um, so, and that play was designed where no matter who got the ball, the game plan was to give it to Frank Wycheck. And he was the designated thrower on the play. Um, so it was actually something that they had planned and scripted all season long. So this wasn't some random play that just played out the way it did. But what's also kind of interesting is that Derek Mason was actually the leader turner. Um, but he was hurt. <laughs> And so was the number two option. The number three option would have been Kevin Dyson, but he was the leading receiver on the team. Uh, he was number four option, rather. The number three guy was the one that ended up uh, going on the field. So, it, you know, there is some modern technology. I know I watched a couple of videos on it that say it was a modern pass. And to your point, he had to come back to catch it. But if you look at where he came back to at the point, 
it was technically a backwards pass um, or a lateral pass. But to your point, where does that forward pass, lateral pass thing go to, Eric? You know, is it a forward pass from when he initially threw the ball? And that's an underthrown ball where Dyson had to come back to it. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, in my research, I did watch all these plays and I watched that one numerous times. It's crazy to hear the announcers. They're going like, they're seeing the replay and they're like, that's a forward pass. And then two replays later from a different angle, they're like, wait a second. I don't know. <laughs> like, because there's different angles that show different things. They couldn't overturn the call. I mean, if, yeah, I, was Bills, if I was a Bills fan, I'd be kind of pissed about it. But, yeah, it's a – but they over-pursued and left Kevin Dyson wide open, and he just took it – I mean, he took it to the house. <laughs> If it gives Bills fans any satisfaction, though, what happened that year in the Super Bowl, <laughs> one yard short. Kevin Dyson, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, say what you want to about the phrase karma, but the fact is is that, you know, the, the Bills may have gotten screwed on that and the Titans may have gotten lucky, but they came a yard short of completing the luck in that Super Bowl that year. So, yes, I mean, I'm was... not a Bills fan. I can't tell you how I feel, but <laughs> – yeah, and Kevin yeah. Dyson's touchdown would have been would have tied it, and it would have been the first Super Bowl to go to overtime at the time. But yeah, yeah he was just he was tackled a yard short, and I remember I remember him just arm fully extended, trying to yeah, he tried <laughs> trying to Michael Jordan in Space Jam it, <laughs> um, if only, and just. Yep. It was short. Poor <laughs> Buffalo, man. But but Buffalo is going to Buffalo. Like, I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I hope they do great. I'm rooting for them this year. Uh, you know, they just barely beat Indianapolis in the playoffs where we're at now recording this. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I hope I like Josh Allen. I love Stephon Diggs. Man, I hope they finally can get that monkey off their back because, God, between watching the four falls of Buffalo and 30 for 30 and – even revisiting this, it's like, man, Buffalo's had a rough 25-year stretch. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I sent you a message uh, before that Hail Mary. I'm like, if Buffalo loses this game, they're destined to never win. Yeah, well, I mean. Because <laughs> there, the there was a review before that that could have been controversial. That would have been on the same controversy as the Music City Miracle. This is the year of the rapture, so as far as we know, it'll be Buffalo and Cleveland fighting it out for a chance to get in the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, if that happens, everybody, make sure your insurance is good. Yes. But, yeah, the All right. miracle, that's, uh, that's it. And, uh, Jordan, I think there was another controversy the next week um, involving the NFC. Uh, ironically, yes, there was, Eric. Uh, so it's interesting, Eric. You called this the Bird Emanuel. I have never referred to it as that. I don't know why. Me neither. I just haven't. I, I just to always the knew. Johnson rule. I, I always knew this existed. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew it was a play. Uh, but yeah, so the 2000 
man, that year was a hell of a year for referees. Um, NFC Championship game, uh, stand by wide receiver from Tampa Bay, Bert Emanuel. 51 seconds to go uh, in the game. Tampa Bay is trailing 11 to 6. Here's a name I haven't thought about in a while. Sean King, quarterback for the Buccaneers. Yeah, when I saw that uh, company pop up, I'm like, wow. Wow, that's a name. He threw a 12-yard dart on a second and 23 play to Burt. Burt lays out the uh, catch the ball, uh, appears to have caught it, and then a timeout's called. The referees decide to review it, and the catch is overturned, saying he did not maintain the possession um, of the catch. And this will come up at least once more in this topic, but uh, Eric, go ahead and kind of give us a fallout and what happened once Mr. Emmanuel, not Mr. Johnson, Mr. Emmanuel, who initiated this whole controversy, uh, went down, buddy. Yeah, so first off, you mentioned Tampa Bay versus the Rams in 2000, and the score was 11-6. to That was the greatest show on turf offense. And they won that game 11-6. to That's how good Tampa's defense was. But, yes, Sean King threw that pass to Bert Emanuel, who had a layout for it. And, again, this is an at-the-time, unfortunately, the application of the rule was correct. Because the ball could not touch the ground at all. No matter if the receiver never lost control, it if any part of the ball touched, it was incomplete. So the application of the rule, it was correct. I I don't like it. He I saw the replay. I mean, I was 11 years old at the time. I never understood I don't really remember it. Um, until I saw the replay and being a Lions fan with a lot of process rules going against us, I know that rule pretty good. I didn't know this was that was a rule prior. But after that, the league did change the rule to where the ball can touch the ground as long as the receiver maintains control. The league still doesn't know what a catch is. Thank you I mean, for saying that. I, mean, I wrote that in my notes. It's 18 years later. We still don't know what the hell the catch is. No. Like, <laughs> it's insane. I. It's the eye test. I mean, did he make a football move? Yes. All that, blah, blah, blah. You know what, when you see it type deal. There's so many different variations, but I still don't know how we don't know what a catch is in the NFL. Well, in my opinion, Bert Emanuel caught it. Calvin Johnson caught it. I'll cover this later. Des Bryant caught it. Um, you Jesse know, James it, caught it. Yeah, like, you there's know. A few, there's quite the, a few things here. At the end of the day, it's one of those things, like you said, it's the eye test. I mean, does it look like he clearly, you know, ignoring the fact of the sideline rule, which I still think it should be college rules. I think as long as you have one foot in bounds, um, it should be a catch. But, um you know, this whole maintaining possession of the ball. And the thing that we, we haven't touched on is with these reviews, the the definition of a review is it has to be, you know, clear and evident 
evidence. Indisputable evidence. Indisputable evidence, thank you for the word, that the call was wrong on the field. And I think on all of these, there wasn't clear. Obviously, if we're still talking about it 20 years later. So if nothing else, you know, how do you overturn that? You know, how does that call get changed? Yeah, man, that's, and I think that's why the competition committee revisited the birdie manual catch and it would have been third down. So I'm not saying Tampa's going to win that game, but it puts them in a hell of a better position. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And but, at the end of the day, it's, it, we're not saying that if these calls had been, you know, maintained or correct like they are now, that it would have changed the course of history because obviously there was still game left in all of these. None of these were game-winning plays. You know, they were all... Music City Miracle, I would say. Yeah, okay, Music City Miracle was. But even (laughs) that shouldn't have happened because, again, it was third down that they kicked that field goal. But That was your your boy Wade Phillips' call. Yeah, let's not call him my boy. Um, He was an great DC, awful head coach. So he... He was still a long ways away from being our boy. But anyway, Eric, let's go on and move on to the next one, man, because this is another one that's probably the most – it's the most recent one on our list. Yes, it is. Um, talk about the, the most recent entry to our list of controversial calls. Oh, boy. Yeah, NFC, NFC Championship game 2018, Los Angeles Rams versus the New Orleans Saints. It was, I think it's probably one of the most egregious misses in any sport that I've seen. That's not wrong. I mean, I was watching it with my roommate at the time. We, we both were like, what, how the hell did that happen? And it was... I, it's baffling, so I'll set it up. New Orleans has the lead. Driving in Rams territory. Drew Brees throws it to his receiver, Lewis, and Rams cornerback, Nicole Roby Coleman, runs right through him. I mean, runs right through him. Like, but he wasn't even there. He wasn't even <laughs> looking at the ball. He just <laughs> runs right through him. And everybody, announcers, people watching on TV, everyone in the Superdome, waiting for a flag. No flag is thrown. And it was... It led to – it was a play that just – it got it got there and the game ended up in regulation as a tie. New Orleans was – New Orleans ended up uh, – missing it and then they got the ball in overtime and Drew Brees threw the pick. Game over. Rams kicked the field goal to win it. And 
then it just, and this is a quote from Coleman, what Roby Coleman that says, I know I got there before the ball and I whacked his ass. <laughs> he knew it. He knew this should have been a flag. And even Sean McVay said, I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't pass interference. And Will Lutz did kick a field goal. New Orleans didn't stop them. To, and it went to overtime. But it's... If they had called that correctly, it resets the downs to first down. And who knows? Jordan? So this is one that has a ton of aftermath. And it's probably the most just puzzling aftermath. So um, five days after it happened, the NFL actually calls Sean Payton and says, yep, we missed it. How did you think Sean Payton's feeling right about that? Because, you know, he was like, you missed it the day of. Why are you calling me five? Why did it take you five days later to admit you missed it when anybody with a pair of eyeballs and a semi-functional brain could have told you that it was a missed call? Here's one thing, though, about the situation that I completely disagree with is and I didn't know the NFL does this, but they find Nicole Roby Coleman $26,000 for saying he made a dangerous football play. And like you said, he did admit he whacked his ass, but that play wasn't a dirty play. It was a missed penalty call, but I don't think he was a dangerous play. You know, his job was to make sure that receiver didn't catch the ball. It was a clean hit, even if it was, you know, way before the ball was ever there. Um, so I question that. Uh, Saints fans, you're not exonerated from this, and I'll bring this up. What the hell are you thinking trying to sue the NFL? Right. <laughs> you know, that is the most WTF thing I've heard in a while. You know, like, we've all, as football fans, have gotten screwed on calls. And you can be sour about it. You can be bitter. What the hell are you doing suing the NFL? That was some of the dumbest fallout um, I've heard of. And then the NFL, <laughs> actually, you know, one of the changes that came of it was – after the next season, which, by the way, the call strikes again the next postseason when Minnesota clearly commits offensive P.I. that's not called against New Orleans. In the end zone. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle Rudolph. Notre Dame still sucks. Um, and the NFL finally changes it, and now they've made it a reviewable play that you can actually review and challenge if P.I. was committed. So New Orleans has it go against them twice. And and the NFL finally steps in. I don't know why they wouldn't have changed it after the first one, but they didn't. So, um, E, I know I just unloaded a bunch of stupid aftermath, primarily the Roby Coleman fine and Saints fans. Uh, again, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so they did, uh, they did give it a one-year trial um, the season after it. Um, but they never, they hardly ever overturned those calls because I think the league has an ego problem. No, (laughs) no, with their officiating that they don't like to admit their mistakes, or at least they don't really publicly will say that 
yeah, we screwed this up. And that's a problem because and teams aren't going to challenge those calls because they won't get overturned no matter how blatant because they're not going to risk losing a timeout. They're not going to risk losing a challenge. And it almost became, hey, we're just going to humor the teams and the fans by saying, hey, this is a trial run, but we're not going to make it permanent. We're just going to do it just so that we can be like, hey, we did this damage control. No, because at least let the least let non-biased officials in the booth buzz down when there's stuff like that. Just be like, guys, take a look at this. I mean, Eric, how, how does hockey do it? I think they'd probably do it the best of anybody. Yeah, don't they have um, don't they have somebody in New York, Toronto, um, Toronto? NFL does have the thing in Al Riverton or whoever it is now. Um, in New York, but um, on some calls, but yeah, everything in the NHL goes to Toronto. There's no one in a booth. It goes to whatever replay room in Toronto, non-biased people are monitoring the games and saying, okay, he was offside. Yes, there's goalie interference. No, or whatever the rule that needs to be reviewed is. And that takes it out of the ref's hands completely. And that's a great system. Uh, So, yeah, I think the NHL got it right with that. Uh, But, yeah, that call, yeah, the the aftermath has led to, I guess, the option of challenges, but I think the biggest aftermath is if that call is correct, if they threw the flag on that and New Orleans runs the clock down and wins that game in regulation, I think that's when the Patriots dynasty ends. I think New England loses that Super Bowl to New Orleans. I actually completely agree with that because New Orleans was a team like a bat out of hell that year. And, uh, man, I so badly want to see Drew Brees get another ring, but, you know, not to keep representing this playoffs. Man, he's actually ironically facing Tom Brady this weekend on the Buccaneers. Um, so, you know, you've got the old man bowl this weekend, but um, I, I just – I love Drew Brees as a player. I love everything he does and stands for. And, yeah, seeing him getting another ring and Sean Payton. You know, God, if I could go back and reverse one coaching decision from the last 20 years, I think, you know, it'd probably be Dallas hiring him as our head coach. But, you know, Dallas is going to Dallas and we're going to hire morons. And yes, man, not actually yep. good coaches. Yes, that is still one of my favorite stories uh, at the Combine after New Orleans won the Super Bowl. Sean Payton orders the last bottle of Jerry Jones's favorite wine at the steakhouse and basically says, fuck you. Perfect. I, again, uh, my issues with Jerry Jones are well documented. Maybe not so much on the podcast, but by all means, feel free to ask me how I feel about the old man. Um, I'm going to give you some more opinions on it here with my next topic, but. Um, yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we go into that? Um, okay. You I want me to we, go first? E? I think we should, uh, 
go in a week because it happened the week after a certain event. Um, so I'll kick it. Go off. for it. Go for it. This was another. Now we're at the. Those were things that we researched. Now we're going to hit a personal note for both of us that happened, ironically, in the same playoffs, back to back weeks. 2005, or 2005, 2015 NFC wildcard. Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys. Lions are up, eight, about eight minutes to go, third and one. They're in Dallas territory. Matt Stafford goes back to throw and throws it to his tight end, Brandon Pettigrew. There is a lot of contact going both ways. I'm going to admit this. Going both ways, and linebacker Hitchens is face guarding, which is legal. But a ref, but the ref threw the flag. Live act, live full speed. Announcers, everybody. This is pass interference. It the call is announced. The chain gang has marked it off. Every scoreboard graphic has changed first and ten from the spot of the foul. And then Pete Morelli says, the call is overturned. And announcers are stunned. I'm Detroit fan here. I'm pissed at this call. But no explanation as to why the call was overturned. Until later in the, until afterwards, the call, the pool report said, oh yeah, our, uh, line judge on the other side of the field said there was no contact. How can you say there's no contact? I mean, I'm admitting that there was contact by both Pettigrew and Hitchens. Like they were, they were hand fighting. They were doing it. And you could argue offensive face mask at the very least offsetting penalties. I'm going to admit all that as a Lions fan. But the fact that, but two things pissed me off about that call. One, it was overturned after everything was announced and marked. And two, please agree with me on this, Jordan. How is Des Bryant not penalized for running onto the field without a helmet to get in the official's face that that should not be pass interference? At the, at the very least, if you overturn that call, you can't not throw an unsportsmanlike penalty on Des Bryant for that. So I will agree with you. And not because you just asked me to, but because my issues with Des Bryant, which I'll bring up a little more, are Des Bryant was not a guy you can win with. And he's not a team first player. He is essentially this generation's version of T.O., who's turned into Antonio Brown, who's now turning into Juju Smith-Schuster. So it seems like that bug has gone around the NFL. But yeah, dude, he 1,000%. Like, even watching that, like, I remember watching that game and thinking, what the hell is he doing on the field? Get his ass off the field. But again, this is Dallas where we don't have coaches that know how to control our players. So, you know, Def Bryant just did whatever the hell he wanted to do. And he was Jerry's boy. And yeah, no, he 
should have been penalized. As a Dallas fan to a Lions fan, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we got our come up until a week later, but um but yeah, that uh stupid. Yeah. yeah, it so at the very least, I can make peace with the picked up flag. I can make peace with yeah, there could have been off offsetting penalties and the replay the down. I can accept the fact that Des Bryant ran out of the field without his helmet <laughs> after and getting in an official's face without a flag being thrown. And should have been kicked out of the game for that, in all honesty. Like, I don't remember him actually making contact, but if he didn't physically make contact, I mean, damn, his spit was in his face with how close yes. it was. And, yeah, and that, I mean, you sort of said it with, in the first rule, first one with the tuck rule, it spiraled the Lions. And Sam Martin and the Lions opted to punt on fourth down, and Sam Martin shanks it. And there was, a, and this is sort of the NFL's thing, there was a fourth down play that Dallas converted that kept the drive-in game alive where Ndamukong Sue is chasing Romo and is basically tackled and no holding call. And the league comes out and says, yes, we should have kept the pass interference. Oh, we also missed this crucial fourth down holding penalty. Sorry, Detroit. I mean, that's the stuff that pisses me off. I mean, it happens to every team. I'm not going to say it's only the Lions, but damn, the NFL just, again, it's the ego. Well, you I, won't also, hear, I won't ever shed a tear about Nakamakong Sue either, but that's besides the point. Yes. And I also do remember after the game sending you a text that I can't remember, but it was very obscenity-driven. You were upset. <laughs> Putting it nicely. Which, and there was a lot Having of, been on the other end of that, you should have been upset, because I said you won a week later with one equally as upset. Yes, and we're going to segue into that. All right, so exactly one week later, um, Dallas goes on controversially or not, to play Green Bay. And as a Dallas fan, personally, Green Bay has never bothered me. Obviously, as a Lions fan, you hate their guts. You know, get a cheese grater out. Um, but as a Dallas fan, Green Bay has never really bothered me. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, 442 left in the game. It's fourth and two. Dallas decides to go for it. Uh, we're currently down in the game. We need a touchdown to go ahead. We've got the ball to Green Bay 32. Uh Romo is in a shotgun formation. Sees Dez Bryant one on one on the outside with Sam Shields. Who was a he's a good he was a good corner. I wouldn't say he was all pro or anything, but I was at least liked his work. But Dez Bryant one on one with Sam Shields. You're going there every time. Uh, Romo allows it up. Ball's caught. Dez is actually inside the one yard line. So I mean they are within they're beyond sniffing distance of the end zone at this point. Which, mind you, that still leaves a lot of time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the game would have changed because, as we've all learned, and we will learn more this year, Aaron Rodgers is a bad dude. And I don't ever want to see him with the ball in his hands with my against my team inside of five minutes. Yeah, there's probably, there's probably four, maybe five quarterbacks 
that I want the ball in their hands with under two minutes left. Aaron's and, number one on my list. No lie. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Pat Mahomes, and throwing Matt Ryan. Yeah. Well, I think those would be the five I would take. You're assuming Matt Ryan doesn't blow the lead, but anyway. Right. Uh, so anyway, so the, the ball's ruled – it's ruled a catch. Mike McCarthy goes over to the official. The irony in Mike McCarthy being the coach here is just brimming. Um, but he goes over and asks the official, hey, this is how I interpret the rule. Is it how it's interpreted? The official says yes because, as we've discussed numerous times, the catch rule in the NFL is stupid. So he challenges it. He had one timeout left. Figured, what the hell? We'll challenge it and see if we can get it overturned. Um the NFL said that he did not make another football act, and in doing so, the ball hit the ground, and he did not maintain possession. Huh? <laughs> Dallas loses the game. Green Bay goes on to lose next week. Ha, ha, ha. Um, so, you know, as a Dallas fan, I was pretty irate. I remember falling off my couch. I think I was living, so I was living in Winston-Salem at the time, but, man, I was furious. Um, that that ball was overturned and, um, you know, what really upset me more than anything else is it was kind of, you could tell it was the end of Tony Romo's career and Jason Witten's. And I think it was our best team we had the entire time we had Romo and to see him not get a chance to really play, you know, in a meaningful playoff game, you know, like an NFC championship, just kind of burned me, and I hated that it kind of went that way. But like I said, it definitely didn't necessarily outcome impact the outcome. Um, you know, in 2020, last year, January, the NFL finally admit it was a catch. So I don't want to hear from anybody that it wasn't. At the time, it wasn't because the rule was stupid, but it was a catch. You can no longer say it wasn't a catch. Um, and here's the funny thing is – so Mike McCarthy is now the Cowboys head coach, and I didn't know this. Um, I actually watched his press conference last year when he was announced as our head coach, and a reporter asked him point blankly, "Hey, coach, was Des Bryant? Was it a catch?" And Mike McCarthy said, um, "As the rules written at the time, it was not. I admit it was an incredibly athletic play, but because of the technicality, it was overturned. In hindsight, yes, it was a catch. So I just want to say, nice backpedal, coach." Um, you know, I think if you had said anything other than that, you would have been kicked out of Dallas before you ever got a chance. Um, and yeah, that that play upset me. I, I, it's that's probably the most angry I've been in at least in a football game in the playoffs because Dallas is you know never in it in the last you know twenty five years. So I haven't had many of those opportunities other than Tony Romo's fumble as a kick return or as a, a place kicker, but. Oh, it's a sore subject, Eric. It was. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say... You enjoyed it. The fact that I saw that rule, even though it was against... Even though it benefited Green Bay. Even... I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't happy about it. I think you admitted that at the time. I think you said, hey, man, I'm sorry it happened, but... Sucks to be a sucker or something along those lines. I think, I think I said karma's a bitch. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that because, like it. because it was, because I think I'm going to attest that the whole playoff, 
in the NFC was a karma line on how all those games ended. Um, you had the controversy in Dallas that led to the controversy in Green Bay that led to the botched onside kick in Seattle that led to the call at the one yard line. Like <laughs> that's what it, it was a bad year. <laughs> but yeah, these controversies happen and I think the NFL needs to find a way to fix how they're gonna do it. And if you're gonna put in a rule that says, hey, you can challenge past interferences and if it's obvious, we're gonna overturn it, but you don't overturn them, what's the point of having the rule? Well, yeah, I mean, that's like telling your kid, hey, you know, it's like consequence and punishment. Hey, if you do this, you know you're going to get in trouble. But then the kid does it and you don't really take it serious. What the hell's the point of even doing it? Like, I don't know, you know. There's all kinds of real-world applications to that. But, yeah, if you're going to discourage people from doing something that you make a rule so you're just doing it to appease them, you know what I kind of compare it to, Eric? I kind of compare it to the Rooney rule. You make this rule, initially at least, and you say, we want to get minorities hired. So if you don't hire a minority candidate, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So then the NFL just looks around and they start, they take their special teams coach that has no chance of getting the freaking job. Oh, yeah, we interviewed him. Cool. Check the box. Yep. What the hell's the point then? Like, and that's the NFL in a nutshell, though, is they make all these rules that, that seem like they're good ideas. And in the, you know, it, as it's written, it sounds great. But then you see the real world application of it. And it's stupid. Exactly. And that's uh, where we're at, unfortunately. And I don't know what the league can do, but controversies will always be in sports. I think that's just going to be it. No matter if you have replay, no matter no matter if you have the human element or not. I mean, as a Detroit fan in pretty much every sport, we've been I was just thinking about the perfect game, not perfect game. Sorry. I mean. (laughs) Baseball is not getting exonerated from this discussion. I know we're focusing on the NFL playoffs, but we'll have another day where we discuss baseball. Yeah. But there's just certain things that just happen that, in against teams that you're just like why why is it why does it only seem like it's this team why does it only seem like it happens to them but the nfl will nfl they will never admit it and we all know it as sports fans it's about ratings and who's going to get you those ratings your teams that have been consistently good you're not going to want you're not going to want a big thing. I mean, do I say the missed pass interference in the Saints-Rams NFC title game was a league going, don't call this because we have a chance to get the LA market for the Super Bowl? I want to put it past them. I mean, Jordan? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I think in football it's not as noticeable because it's such a hugely popular sport that I think your viewership gaps between, you know, like a smaller market like Charlotte versus New York, obviously there's gonna be there, but 
so many, especially these playoffs games, so many freaking people will watch them regardless, you know. Dallas is not even close to the playoffs this year, and I was watching every game last Saturday and Sunday. Like, it was going out of style. So I... I'm going to consume football regardless. So I don't think it applies to football as much as it does to a sport like, say, baseball, where, you know, they want the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Lions, the Red Sox. They want those teams to be in the playoffs and in the World Series because baseball doesn't nearly get the attention as much as if you, it's like the, you know, the Padres and Tampa Bay in the World Series. Uh, you know, they were loving it the year the Cubs won it because viewership was through the roof this past year with the Dodgers. Um, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's as much in the football just because I think the football is a sport that everybody's going to consume regardless of really who's playing. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely there. <laughs> it, it's always made me wonder with the Patriots. And I'm sorry not to, like, crap on the Patriots, but, you know – they seem to have, and I don't know the analytics on it, but they seem to have so many things go their way in the last 20 years, and I don't know why. Yeah, and that's that's it. I mean, no one knows the answers, and the impact of these calls, I mean, you look at, and some of them are still, that happened 20 years ago. All, all these that we mentioned were in the last 20 years had an impact on the game today. And that's what we're looking to get out of this debate and NFL rules. And that's where we'll, uh, we'll leave you. Sounds great. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. I'm Eric Weirdo with Jordan Angie, and uh, we'll uh, be back next week with another riveting topic. Bye guys.